0: Welcome to my podcast. This is your host, Ray Lloyd, and this is All The Things. Let's talk about your gut today, all right? Let's, let's do that. I got such good feedback from the three-part series that I did on the nervous system. Part of me was like, let's just let that ruminate. I knew it wasn't going to be like my hurrah episode because I have too many things to say and educate on, to be honest. And no matter how the number of the audience fluctuates, I still feel compelled to continue to share. But I did take a couple of weeks to think about what would be the next impactful topic to share on. And the next natural thing that felt right was gut health this is going to be a doozy. So put on your headphones, go fold some laundry, take a walk, and let's listen to, this is a really massive part of your body, Um, not in size, but in the importance of it functioning well, plays a massive, massive part in how you feel physically, how you feel emotionally, how your hormones are, are you pooping? Do you have an autoimmune disease? Like it's just, it's such a massive part of who we are and how we function. And the fact that the medical world just says very little about it, knows maybe very little about it. I mean, how many times have you gone to a regular doctor and they asked you about how your gut is? I don't recall ever being asked the first time anyone ever cared about my poop was when I started seeing naturopathic and functional medicine doctors. In fact, I've done multiple um, gut tests called the GI map, and it is just absolutely fascinating. So the fact that it's such a massive part of our bodies, but such an ignored part of our bodies just goes to show that Western medicine keeps you sick. And if you want to start feeling better, you're going to have to educate yourself and start to help yourself. So let's get into it. I, of course, am not giving you any medical advice. This is all simply education. I am not a doctor. If you want to make any changes or help yourself, you might want to talk to a medical provider of your choosing, someone you trust, but take this information and do with it what you feel best. So, of course, I'm not going to be able to name everything but some of the symptoms of leaky gut, and that's going to be something I explained further on in this episode, but Some of the signs that you might have something off with your gut is that you have digestive issues like burping, um, constipation, diarrhea, the mix of the two, chronic pain, bloating, something that shows that something is off, right? Food allergies is actually a symptom that there is a gut dysbiosis, Um, brain fog, mood issues, skin issues like acne, hormonal imbalances seasonal allergies you're like what do you mean seasonal allergies yes (laughs) seasonal allergies can be a sign that there's something wrong with your gut autoimmune diseases that's a doozy and things like chronic fatigue and then of course like to get into like the specifics of some specific gut issues you could have something like SIBO H. pylori chronic constipation and or IBS okay so if you have any of those things you shouldn't just say like oh This is what I have and just accept it. No, like some things can feel better. Some things can fully heal. Some things can be put into remission. Some things you don't have to live with. Like these are signs that something's off. You can either choose to live like that or you can choose to get better. It's up to you. So let's get into the very nitty gritty details, right? What is your gut? Your gut is the epicenter of your mental and physical health, okay? The health of your gut determines the health of your immunity, your digestion, your focus, and your mental health. And that is because 75 to 85% of your immune system is produced in the gut. The immune system will eliminate invading pathogens while recognizing that our cells are not a threat if it's working properly. Obviously, if you have an autoimmune disease, something went funky there, right? So, you know, even just knowing the little bit that you now know it is very obvious that it is so important to maintain a balanced microbiome because your gut is literally your body's second brain. So when a dysbiosis happens, an imbalance, what is a dysbiosis? An imbalance between the good and bad bacteria in your gut, when something like that happens, many things can be a result, but autoimmunity is in that list, right? As a result of a dysbiosis. Now, to be clear, although I have Hashimoto's and my daughter has celiac, that is not the only two things that can happen as a result of a dysbiosis in the gut, right? There are multiple autoimmune, autoimmune diseases out there um, that can be in relation, it's not only because of a gut dysbiosis, but in relation to a gut dysbiosis, things like Crohn's, ulcerative, ulcerative, okay, we'll stop trying to pronounce that, Um, colitis, psoriasis, lupus, uh, multiple sclerosis, type 1 diabetes, of course, celiac disease, um, alopecia, and Graves, for example. So, an autoimmune disease, just so we're clear, is when your immune system gets confused and attacks your body. And that sounds very simple, but it's very complicated and can have catastrophic effects, side effects, right? But understand that the role of your immune system is to produce antibodies that fight against harmful viruses and bacterias that are invading your body. The problem is when autoimmunity happens, It is because the body creates auto antibodies that end up attacking cells that they're actually supposed to protect. So for example, celiac is attacking the small intestine. Hashimoto's is attacking the thyroid and so on and so forth. So the immune system loses its ability to differentiate between foreign cells and our own healthy cells. And yes, that is as bad as it sounds. So the scary part is, is that back in two thousand eighteen. So it is incredibly worse now, especially after COVID, especially after the COVID vaccine, especially after all of the um, reignition of Epstein Barr virus. Right, this number is way higher. But back in two thousand eighteen, there was a study done that, or actually, a report from you know a. Uh, a the Health Organization that showed that upwards of 23.5 million Americans have a form of an autoimmune disease, and so it has gotten significantly worse since 2018. right Now interestingly, it you know makes sense to note that these studies also show that autoimmunity is more prevalent in women. So there was another study done in 2018 that suggested that testosterone obviously, which men have more of, suppresses the protein called B-A-F-F, which is responsible for making B-cells, lymphocytes, that can release harmful antibodies, which are linked to things like lupus. So perhaps higher incidence of testosterone might protect men from certain autoimmune diseases or them getting worse. So interesting. But um. If you listen to my nervous system podcast, then you know the strong link between trauma and autoimmunity, but today I actually want to focus on the connection between the gut and autoimmunity, and I am going to mention, you know, trauma and stress further on in this podcast, but first I want to focus on why is the gut so important, right? And that is because, like I said, 80% of your immune system is in the lining of your gut, So any imbalances that you have in your microbiome can contribute to the development of an autoimmune disease. So what compromises the health of your gut in the first place? And there's going to be multiple things. I'm going to mention a few. One of them is the overuse of antibiotics. So this causes a reduction in the diversity of your microbiome and can cause leaky gut, which I'll get into further, but that means that there is inflammation and a weakening of the gut barrier, okay? So the intestinal lining keeps our gut microbiome contained to where it should be. But when you have leaky gut, there is a risk of the microbes getting into our bloodstream, which can be the start of autoimmunity. So essentially what happens is the intestinal mucosal barrier separates the literally trillions of microbes that are in your gut from getting into the rest of our body. They're not supposed to be in the rest of our body. And now there's cells called epithelial cells and they line the gut and there is like these tight junction proteins that are connected to the epithelial cells and they open and close in order to allow movement of nutrients across the lining which then gets into the rest of your body, which should be in the rest of your body to go give energy to the cells and all that good stuff, right? But it closes again to prevent the pathogens from leaving the gut. So things that should be where they should be stay where they should be, and things that should be going out should be going out, right? And that is how a healthy gut functions. The problem is when the layer of cells is compromised, permeability in the gut barrier is increased, meaning it is allowing microbes to leak into the bloodstream. Again, that is as bad as it sounds. That should not be happening. And leaky gut is extremely prevalent, especially because of the overuse of antibiotics. I mean, I don't know about you, but I had strep constantly as a child and I was put on antibiotics constantly. And I mean, doctors, as we know, are very prescription happy They're overusing medications. Instead of talking about how to actually heal, they're like, oh, here's a prescription, right? Keeps the pharmaceutical companies happy. We know the cycle of crazy that is going on between doctors and pharmacies, and it just keeps us sick. So it is up to us to be discerning. If you need antibiotics, I'm not saying not to use it. I'm just saying use it with discernment and also support your gut when you're taking it. And also if you don't need it, don't just, oh, you know what? Let me just take some antibiotics. We'll see what happens. Like if you don't need it, don't take it. Right? So yes, the first thing would be the overuse of antibiotics. Now, the other thing is, the next thing is that Our microbiome actually starts forming as early as while you're being delivered as a baby, okay? So babies that are delivered vaginally are exposed to the maternal flora as they come through the birth canal, right? And this enriches them with a good bacteria, which I will talk about in depth soon, called Lactobacillus SPP. And it's interesting because babies that are born through C-section are obviously not exposed to that same good bacteria. And there's actually studies that show that babies born by C-section are at a higher risk for developing a gut dysbiosis, therefore putting them at a higher risk of developing autoimmunity. Now let's not, let's like be very clear about something. I am not shaming people that had babies through C-section because I myself was born vaginally. My mother did not have an epidural. I was delivered by a midwife in a birthing center, not even a hospital. And I'm sick. So (laughs) like, clearly it's not foolproof. I'm just mentioning a very interesting study that shows that babies born vaginally have higher, um, amounts of this good bacteria. That's all. Okay. Another thing is, and again, if you bottle feed your baby fed is best, right? So no shame at all, but breastfed babies get a variety of important nutrients that also influence the baby's gut microbiome. So a lot is happening from when you're born up until the age of three, a lot is happening with the gut microbiome. And then it kind of stabilizes. Obviously things can happen to hurt the gut microbiome, but they're pretty much stable at the age of three. So like I mentioned in my uh, nervous system podcast, and I briefly mentioned earlier, that trauma and living in fight or flight can massively affect your your gut microbiome and the motility of your gut and the absorption of nutrients from your small intestine, right? So obviously, stress and anxiety play a massive part in the health of your gut microbiome. Also, what are you eating and um things like sleep how much do you or do you not sleep can affect the composition of your gut bacteria so sleep loss alone can promote gut inflammation hence why we're supposed to be sleeping enough and just, I feel like life itself, living in fight or flight and then the stress of work or, or raising children or paying your bills in this crazy economy can cause insomnia and people with insomnia, it's like, what was the chicken, what was the egg? People with autoimmune diseases a lot of times have insomnia. Was it the insomnia that caused the gut issues that caused the autoimmune disease or was it the opposite? Like, I don't know if we'll ever know, it's just something I'm putting out there, right? So now because 75% of our neurotransmitters are made within the gut, The balance of the microbes can affect our mood. And this obviously includes serotonin, which plays a role in how happy we feel. Remember in my last podcast, I think the second episode of that three series podcast, um, I explained how trauma and PTSD disrupts the nervous system, which then dysregulates the immune function, which of course, as we're learning today, affects the gut and can manifest as an autoimmune disease. Now this is called the gut-brain axis. So, a healthy gut communicates with the brain through nerves and hormones, helping maintain an overall well being. But our susceptibility to gut and autoimmune issues is controlled, yes, by genetic and environmental factors. But it's also very important to note, and this is very important, okay? So, listen carefully autoimmunity is not hereditary. It's just that it shows up in pockets of families, right? Because family members have a similar genetic background, right? Making them susceptible to certain things. Also, a lot of us have inherited transgenerational trauma, which makes us susceptible to certain things. And many times families have similar environmental components and um, like similar eating habits, similar sleeping habits, right? Things like that, that can predispose family members to leaky gut and then therefore autoimmunity. So it's not that autoimmunity is genetic and you're just freaking doomed. It's that all of the genetic and environmental factors are playing a part. Does that mean that if you have autoimmunity, your kids are therefore gonna get autoimmunity? No, if you change the environmental factors, the genes don't have to fire the way they did with you. So that's actually good news. Um, Yeah, it's... uh, Something to keep in mind though with your with your kids if you have an autoimmune disease or if you have gut issues they they say like oh it runs in my family well it doesn't have to it just is until something changes right okay so another thing to keep in mind like what was messing up the gut is that as west as the western diet grew more prevalent so did autoimmunity meaning People just don't eat the same as they used to, right? Our diets are high in salt, high in sugar, high in fat, but they're also low in fiber and that can compromise the health of your gut. So, you know, if you're eating primarily at McDonald's, I'm not food shaming anyone. I'm a big believer in intuitive eating, but like, does your body actually want McDonald's? Maybe sometimes, but maybe we should also focus on what does our gut really need, you know? So... Like before I get further into this, like let's talk about what a microbiome is. A microbiome or the microbiome are between like 10 trillion and 100 trillion microorganisms that live in your gut. Now, this includes bacteria, fungi, parasites, and even viruses. And these microorganisms usually coexist peacefully, right? In a healthy gut, all of that is in there, but they're not fighting each other. <laughs> they're not doing what they shouldn't be doing. Um, however, there are a small amount of microbes that can promote disease. Everyone has both good and bad inside of them. But if the balance between the peaceful microbes and the pathogenic microbes is disturbed, right? Then all of these things that we just talked about, will happen. Like there will be a dysbiosis and this then makes you susceptible to disease and autoimmunity. So meaning everybody has that stuff in them. The pathogens that are wrecking my gut right now are in you. You just don't have an overgrowth of them and I do. Okay. So a typical healthy microbiome is made up of primarily three bacterial filler. Um I want to just say that I might pronounce some of these words incorrectly i'm trying my absolute best but um yeah if i pronounce something incorrectly and you're like a gut health expert like don't don't laugh okay but each of these three like overarching categories also includes several bacterial um you know different kind of species so let's talk about them because i'm sure you've heard of a couple of them maybe in your probiotics so it's pretty cool um so the first overarching one that includes three different like little sections of species is the Firmis suits and this includes the lactobacillus the staphylococcus and the cl- clostridium stridium. Okay. Okay. Good job, Ray. You're trying here. So the lactobacillus, which for me is the most uh, recognizable name because it's in a lot of the different probiotics that people take, but these produce lactic acid and antibacterial peptides that prevent harmful bacteria from colonizing in the gut. Okay. So they behave as immunomodulators, and supporting an immune system by modifying the immune system's response to threats in a beneficial way. So they're, they're cool. We like them, right? These are the good guys. And they have a protective effect against the overgrowth of candida, which is a type of yeast that is a common cause of fungal infections and against Staphylococcal, right? Staph staph infections. Um, And they are often used, like I said, in probiotics and in different supplements. So then there is, under the Fermi shoots, is the Staphylococcus, which I just mentioned. And these are actually opportunistic pathogens that live in the gut symbiotically. So they're living peacefully amongst the other ones, but when there is an imbalance in the gut microbiome, that can actually lead to an overgrowth of Staphylococcus, which can cause like a wide range of diseases either by direct infection or by producing toxins. So you don't want there to be a dysbiosis with these guys, right? And then you have the clostridium which have anti-inflammatory properties that help improve the immune function function, sorry, of the gut. And they can help break down carbs and generate short-chain fatty acids which are then used as energy by intestinal cells. Okay? Now the second section of the bacterial um, phyla, um, in a healthy microbiome are something called bacterioditis. Um, and these have bacteroids in them, the, um, prevotella and the bacterium. How fun, like who named these and why were they so hard to say? You know what I mean? Like I would like to talk to that scientist. Um, but the detis help break down carbs also into short chain fatty acids and they help prevent infections in the gut. So they are actually found more in people who eat a more animal protein-based diet. Um, so like they wouldn't be as commonly found in let's say a vegan or a vegetarian, right? And then the Prevotella also help digest carbs in short chain fatty acids, and they tend to be more common in people who eat a lot of fiber. Now, since this bacteria is very genetically diverse, it's actually difficult, like in all the reports that I was you know, reading up on, it was actually difficult to determine their exact function in the gut microbiome. So they're there. We just don't know exactly what they do, and that is what it is. Now, the sphingobacterium, um, they trigger inflammatory responses from the immune system and can be used as biomarkers bio of infection in the body. And then the third one, last one, is the um, act, act, actinobacteria. And they include the bifidobacterium and the atopobium. So the bifidobacterium, they break down complex carbs as well into short-chain fatty acids. Um, They produce folate, which plays a key role in healthy cell growth function and function. Um, If you want to go back to March 27th of 2022, I recorded a podcast episode called What the Hell is MTHFR Mutation and Why Do I Care? And in there, I mentioned folate and the importance of folate and how if you have that gene mutation, it can mess with you a bit. So something to listen to as well. Um, But they also have Uh, anti-inflammatory effect and have been shown to improve IBS symptoms. And then lastly, the atopobium are responsible for breaking down proteins into amino acids in the gut. So let's back up to basics just for a second, right? Like we're talking about all the different things that are in the gut and how a dysbiosis can cause issues, but like, why does the gut matter? I guess, so to speak, like just down to basics, like what's the gut? Why does it matter? So they do several, well, the gut, the gut does several important things. One, obviously it digests our food. Okay. Which then delivers nutrients to our cells. That's important to stay alive, you know, basic. Um, two, it metabolic, metabolic, meta. oh wow. I don't know why my brain doesn't want me to say this word metabolizes. That was such a brain fart. We love that for me. It metabolizes enzymes, vitamins, and amino acids. And lastly, um, not lastly, and thirdly, it detoxes possible carcinogens, also really important. Um, It stimulates cell renewal in the gut lining, so it keeps all that healthy. And it activates and supports the immune system also, you know, important stuff. So the gut really does matter, right? Now earlier I said in my, you know, when I was talking about the nervous system and how, you know, I recorded that podcast about trauma and how that affects the the gut. Um, But let's talk specifically stress, right? How does stress affect the gut? Now in studies, stress has been proven, Um, to increase the permeability of the gut barrier, which like I mentioned before, leaky gut, right? What does that do? It allows bacteria to cross over and activate an inflammatory response in the body. Also stress, the stress hormone called cortisol. So stress, when you're stressed, your body will create cortisol. And cortisol, um, when produced, has been proven to suppress the ability of the cells in the gut lining to respond. So they're not contracting when they need to be properly, right? Chronic stress actually reduces the number of the tight junction proteins that need to be in the cell lining, in the cells that line the gut. And again, that causes leaky gut because there's just less of like, imagine like the soldiers protecting the wall in Game of Thrones. If there's not enough people protecting the wall, the wall is going to be weaker, right? And the body's response to stress can also increase circulating levels of a pro-inflammatory protein called cytokines. And this causes inflammation in the gut and changes the gut composition by decreasing the good gut bacteria. So when you have these, the bad gut bacteria, either not being equal, right? The good and the bad are not living peacefully. So you have too much of the bad and you have overgrowths of you know candida, or you know the immune function is lower, or you have these bad bacteria crossing into the blood, and it 's causing inflammatory response. the body is obviously going to get very confused. The soldiers that it needs to be working and doing their soldiering things are not doing their things. The bad guys are overtaking, and there's not. This harmony within the body anymore, and so yeah, the the body gets confused. It starts attacking good parts of your body, um, and you have autoimmunity. You have depression. You have um, gut issues in terms of like physically feeling ill, just chronic nausea, not sleeping well. Like imagine you ask someone to do like 100% work at work, but you don't give them a computer or you give them a broken mouse, or you give them a pen that doesn't work, like how much work do you think they're gonna get done? If they are gonna get done, they're gonna to have to try that much harder. And maybe the work isn't going to look the way it should look because you gave them like a half-assed office, right? It's like that in your body. You're asking your body to do all the things it needs to be doing, but you're feeding it stuff that's messing with your gut microbiome. You're chronically stressed. You're not sleeping well. You're drinking a ton of alcohol all the time and you know all that other stuff. And so your gut gets compromised and then it can't do what it needs to do and then you're like why do I feel so shitty right so how to heal and I might record a much longer podcast um getting into things like SIBO um how the gut can affect uh blood sugar regulation I'm not sure yet that's not like on the list yet but I might record it especially if you guys tell me you want to hear something like that but let me get into a little bit of how to heal And obviously you're going to talk to your doctor about this and whoever your trusted provider is. But like I said, I might get into like a a longer episode specifically about healing the gut. But one of the main things, and like I used to laugh when doctors would tell me this because like they would be like, you have to, you have to be like less stressed. You have to reduce your stress. And I'm like, "Mm, how do you want me to do that? (laughs) Like literally we live in like the worst, like stressful country in the world. We're all working. We're all stressed because of all the things that life throws at us. You want us to, you know, be super successful and super healthy, but like the food industry is like compromised and, and like the medical world is compromised and people are just traumatized. And it's just, That's freaking hard, right? So I get that. I really, really get that. But if you can do little things throughout the day or the week that can help reduce stress, it's definitely going to help you in the long run. So things like, you know, you're not getting rid of your job and you're not getting rid of the stressful, well, you could get rid of stressful people in your life if you want to, but like, maybe it's your boss and you can't, I don't know. But like, if you can't reduce all the stressful things around you, you could try to calm your body down um and I mentioned this in my nervous system guide if you want to buy it it's only 25 dollars. and you can email me and let me know if you want and I can send this to you and I have a lot more of stress reducing suggestions in there but long story short you can do things like going outside without your shoes on and grounding um offsetting all that positive energy into like the world the earth holds all these negative ions right so balancing that out grounding can help doing some deep breathing doing some meditation doing some yoga like just a bunch of stuff that can help regulate your nervous system which then in turn reduces stress which then allows your gut to have a break and maybe can start to heal right i'm going gluten-free my gosh you know i'm a massive fan of going gluten-free if you want to read more about um how to go gluten-free on my website com r-a-e-l-l-o-y-d.com I have under shop is a free guide on how to go gluten-free I also have a gluten-free um, recipe book with like 10 of my favorite gluten-free dessert recipes so you can message me and I can email that to you as well um, but it's not just for people who have like a wheat allergy or people who have celiac right it's Anybody who really has gut issues or has um, a dysbiosis or has any of the symptoms of leaky gut, or has an autoimmune disease, any of them should really be gluten-free because gliadine, which is in gluten, it's a component of gluten, stimulates an immune response. Um, it's also, particularly for people who have Hashimoto's, it's a very similar molecular structure to thyroid cells. And therefore, if you're putting gluten into your body, your body is attacking all that gliadine and therefore has more an it's just causing an immune response. It's also causing more antibodies to be produced that will then in turn attack your thyroid. So if you want to, you know, reduce inflammation and reduce the attack on your thyroid, but reduce inflammation in general for anybody has symptoms of a gut dysbiosis or autoimmunity, being gluten-free really needs to be non-negotiable. You might not like to hear that either, but like, I really can't state how important it is. If you want to heal, that's going to be a massive thing because gluten, the gliadine and gluten increases gut permeability and contributes to gut dysbiosis. Like it's just, it's just a fact. Um, another thing you can do to help yourself heal is to avoid inflammatory foods, things like corn, dairy, different like sweeteners, um, sugar, but I don't like to cause like, I don't want people to like feel like super restricted. So you got to do what you got to do, but like soy also like you gotta you gotta avoid what what you can that is causing an inflammatory response in your body. Another thing you can try is bone broth, which has very healing properties for the gut. Um, taking digestive enzymes before you eat is massive, especially if you have SIBO. Like I take digestive enzymes before I eat, not like little snacks, but like before I eat a meal, I take it. So at least three times a day. Um, avoid antibiotics. Now, of course, if you need it, you need it, but don't just take it like willy-nilly and like if your doctor's like, oh, I don't know, maybe it's an infection. Like, you know, if you can try to heal without that, then that's definitely better. But if you do take antibiotics for something that you have to take antibiotics for, definitely support your gut while you're doing that, like by taking a probiotic. Um, Keep in mind that different probiotics do different things. So choose accordingly. Um, And then there's also like gut healing supplements and herbs like L-glutamine, berberine. I have actually videos on my TikTok. If you find me there, it's raylloyd.hc, which stands for Hashimoto's Care. And um, I have a playlist called Gut Health. And in there, um, I have information on that. And I also have um, a playlist called Supplements. And in there, I have specifically about L-glutamine and berberine um, and how they help heal the gut. Also, licorice root can help. Slippery elm, turmeric can help, but also that plays a big part in reducing inflammation. Um, marshmallow root and ginger are all good options for healing the gut. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely a complicated topic, but you don't have to suffer. <laughs> there are things you can do um, if you're suffering with all of the different things I described. That can sound sound like it has like you have a gut dysbiosis. Um, I'm not surprised that so many Americans, like, forget the 23 whatever million that have anti, uh, autoimmune diseases. Um, all the people who have IBS, all the people who have, like, H. pylori and, like, chronic candida and all of these, like, parasite overgrowths in the body. It takes time to heal, but it is possible. And, you're just gonna feel better. The better your gut is functioning, the better you're going to feel mentally, physically, and emotionally. So of course, if this was helpful, I love when people screenshot and post in their stories on social media to let me know that me spending time on this is helping you somehow. Um, If you leave me a review, that literally makes my day. So if you wanna make me happy, no, but I really hope that these help you and are educational and informational. Of course, remember no medical advice. So take this information, and talk to your medical provider, but here's to happy, healthy guts. Thank you for listening. I hope that you loved today's episode. Please do the following things. Share this all over your social media, subscribe to my podcast, and leave me a five-star rating. Till next time.